This is the Jocko Underground Podcast. We're on number 62. This is number 62. I'm here sitting here with Echo Charles. I was talking to uh, a guy at camp. Well, pretty much been to, been to every camp that I think I've been to. Jiu-Jitsu camp, this is, by the way. Origin, emerging camp. Mm-hmm. And good guy. Uh, we've, we've always hung out, and I've kind of watched his growth and journey for lack of a better word, over the past few years. Anyways, this time, shows up to camp, we're talking, and he's going through a really hard time. Like a a surprisingly, you know when you just, you see someone on a trajectory, and you're watching their trajectory, and like, oh, this is a good trajectory, you're, and then all of a sudden, they're just off that trajectory. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like this space shuttle Columbia, like you think everything's going good, and then like, it it just goes sideways. So that's what's going on. Um, he, he's a former military guy. He's been out of the military for a pretty long time. But, you know, he started his own business and he's doing pretty well. But, you know, it was a lot of hard work, like a tough business, a lot of hard work. Kids, the whole nine yards, everything's, I mean, this is just the trajectory. Like, oh, yeah, you're doing well. You've kind of pivoted a little bit, made some adjustments. You got the wife, you got a bunch of kids. And if you would have asked me, if you would have said, you know, where do you think my life is right now? I would have been like, oh, okay, well, you probably expanded your business a little bit more. You probably, did, you know, this is, but it was like, no, um, wife wants a divorce. Uh, like just, just total uh, change, right? Just a drastic change in direction mm-hmm. in his life. So as we're talking through it, and we spent like an hour talking, as we're talking to it through it, like at one point he's like, you know, I might have to sell the business, you know, because they built up this business and he might, in order to settle with her, he might have to sell it, just like sell the business. And which to me was weird because if you sell the business, you have no more income, mm. you know, so it's not like you can sell. And he goes, no, well, he goes, I'll probably have to sell the business, give her a big chunk of the payout and then I'll have to work at Home Depot just to pay child support. And I don't know what I'm gonna do. Uh, I just can't figure out, you know, he's like, I'm a smart guy, I think about it, but I just can't figure out what to do. And so I'm sitting there listening, I'm thinking about it for a while. And um, finally I said, you know, I'm not smart, but I know what I would do. And he was like, well, what? I said, if I was in your situation, I know what I would do. And he was like, what? And I said, I would start walking. And he was like, well, you know, what do you mean? And I said, here, let me explain. This is what's going on with you right now. You just woke up. Like, you just came to consciousness and you're, you don't know where you are. And you're in the middle of the woods. And you're looking around and you see trees and it's like thick. You can't even tell where the sun is, right? But you, you know you're in the woods. Mm-hmm. You don't know where to go. And so what I would do is I would start walking. I would just pick, pick like a direction and I would start walking and as I'm walking, I would eventually find a little terrain that's going downhill and I'd follow that terrain downhill and eventually I'd hit a stream and the stream would actually be a tributary into a, a, a river and then from the river, I would follow the river until I'd hit a road and when I'd hit a road, eventually I'd follow the road to a town somewhere and I'd figure <coughs> things out, right? I'd figure out where I was and I'd be back and I'd be able to get food and I'd put everything together. But I said, what you're doing, and this is what I could tell from this conversation, I said, what you're doing is you're just standing there looking around. And you're trying to figure out where the town is, where civilization is, Mm -hmm. and you're waiting. 
trying to guess and looking around and looking for clues, but there's no freaking clues. You're in the middle of the woods. There's no clues. There's no, there's no clues, literally. You have to go and find it. Civilization, the town, the thing is not gonna come to you. You have to start walking. So that's what I would do. And look, there's a, obviously there's a hint of like iterative decision making, right? You don't know where you are, you don't know what to do. Start moving in some direction and that'll give you some clues or some indication or some immediate feedback about where you are and you can start assembling a better picture of what's happening. So I know I not, might not be the smartest person in the world and you're smart, but you're not gonna be able to do anything without doing something. So you're gonna have to start walking. And then we, I went back to this Home Depot piece and I said, listen, you know, I've, if I was in your shoes, okay, I'd go, I'd go get a job at Home Depot. And I was like, yeah, and you know what? I got my job at Home Depot, my aisle would be the freaking squared away aisle. It, and after like a week and a half, it'd be the most squared away aisle in Home Depot. And I said, in a few weeks, the store manager would look at me and he'd be like, hey, can you run the, these three aisles? They'd give me three aisles, and then they'd give me seven aisles, and then they'd give me 12 aisles, and then they'd give me the front of the store, and then eventually, they'd be like, hey, can you just run this store? Because I'd be busting my ass, and I'd be making things happen, and I'd be building relationships with people. And then eventually they'd be like, hey, we want you to run this district with all the Home Depots in this district. And then they go, we want you to take this region. And eventually they'd be like, hey, we want you to be the CEO of Home Depot. And we're laughing, right? Because I'm not that arrogant, but we were, I was making a point. But I told this guy, I was like, look, you see working at Home Depot as a punishment and I see it as an opportunity, as an opportunity. And by the way, Home Depot, there's like, you, you've heard of Home Depot millionaires, right? It's a real thing. No, well, no, what is it? Home Depot millionaires, like in the early days of Home Depot, you could take stock options mm. when Home Depot wasn't that big. And a lot of people that were cashiers and, you know, cleaners in the aisles, they took stock and, mm-hmm. you know, now they're millionaires. Mm-hmm. Um, but that f- reframing, well, the way you're looking at things and seeing opportunities instead of seeing punishments and instead of seeing downturns in your life, seeing opportunities, it's just gonna have such a much better impact on the way you, you where you get to. Cause you know, going to like the, you know, you're Jordan Peterson talking about like aiming and you gotta take aim, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, this is, a version of that, right? Yeah. When I get in there and I think, hey, I'm gonna make this aisle look awesome. Yeah. Look, well, look at what I'm aiming at. I'm aiming to Im- improve and get better and do a good job. If I go in there, this sucks. What am I aiming at? Yeah. I'm aiming at this sucking. That's actually where I'm gonna, you know, the same thing we when we used to do uh, offensive driving. Mm-hmm. And when you're driving a car, if you start looking at like, if you gotta go between obstacles and you start looking at one of those obstacles, mm. you're gonna hit that obstacle. That's, you know, there's like a tendency that you're gonna hit the obstacle. You're gonna go where you're, what, what you're looking at. Yeah. Same thing with this. If you think this job is gonna suck, well guess what? The job is actually gonna suck now. Mm-hmm. And you're not gonna do it well. And you're not gonna get promoted. And you're not gonna give be given more responsibility. You're not gonna be given any opportunities. Mm-hmm. So 
just be careful of that. I think that's a good lesson for everybody. This happens throughout. You know, this is what happened when I got to SEAL Team 1. Back in the day, I got the SEAL Team 1. They're like clean toilets. I'm like, cool. Mm. Let me rock and roll. I'm going to do this really well. Do you think I wanted to clean toilets? Of course not. But I was like, okay, that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. I had one of my friends at a different team made like his web gear into like custodial attack mode <laughs> you know he put like had like a holster with cleaner in it oh, another right. one like a toilet brush you <laughs> yeah, know yeah, yeah. he's like oh, running yeah. around ready to respond mm-hmm. you know he's having fun with it mm-hmm. and if he was just poking fun at it it would have been like well that might be a risky move but he was doing it like no i'm ready to go yeah, like he, yeah. he, he actually was fired up about embrace. it so embrace it uh so that's what i'm saying if you're in a spot and you don't know what to do and you're not sure where to go and you don't know where the right direction is, start walking and start looking for opportunities. And they'll show up. That's my word of the day. Echo yeah. Charles. Yeah, agree. They in <clears throat> some people talk about that where it's like, yeah, he's far more ahead than it's because it's not a, some people they look at it as, oh my gosh, I gotta start all over, or whatever. And a common that thing that I've heard is you're technically not starting all over because of all of your past experience and knowledge or whatever. So even waking up in the woods, like that's perfect. Such a perfect. You ever watched the movie Memento? Yes, I I did. But my memory of it's kind of vague, oddly enough. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. So and the way they present that movie is like in backwards clips, which is kind of part. They try to mimic his thought process and the way his brain works because he doesn't have short term memory. Mm -hmm. So. He'll just sort of come to just like in the woods or whatever and something's either going on or he's at a certain place and he doesn't know how he got there. So he kind of refers to his tattoos as like notes. So that's kind of like in your analogy where the tattoos is your past experience and knowledge. You know, you you can look at them and whatever. You don't have any assets. You don't have like everything that you lost is gone. It's gone. But, but you have knowledge, which is more powerful. Exactly right. Only the knowledge in your head, though. You don't have, like, the business. You don't have, you know, the access to all that. So that's gone. That's, like, the guy's memories. You know, so those are gone. He knows only what he can do moving forward, and he can use all the knowledge that he has tattooed. So it's kind of the same deal in a way. That's mm-hmm. that's how it struck me anyway. Um, so, yeah, he's kind of starting ahead. Yeah, definitely starting ahead. Yeah. And key. starting with no baggage. Yes, that's you know, a which big is deal. another way to look at it. Right? Yeah, age and kids and stuff like that. Those are factors or whatever. But yeah, man, that's a good, such a good way to look at it. Where don't when you say avoiding like the driving thing, mm-hmm. where you're like, yeah. oh, what do you call it? Offensive, offensive driving. Don't look at the obstacle. Yeah. So it's like you can't actively avoid an obstacle. Just don't look for the obstacle. Look for something else. Like look for how you said opportunity or you know. Yep. Drivable terrain. Have you heard me talk about that? Drivable before? terrain. Drivable yeah, terrain. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. You're driving. You're like an accident ahead of you. Yeah. And you're just looking for drivable terrain. What? Where can I take this vehicle where I'm not going to die? Yeah. And that's a real positive thing. So that's the, another thing. You start walking in the woods, you're looking for drivable terrain. You're looking yeah. for a way out of there. Yep. You don't know where it is. How can you tell? You're in the middle of the woods. Yeah, it feels like the challenge there, you'd have to have some mental discipline, is to like avoid thinking about all the things you've lost. You yes, know, like that's you definitely like the don't thing. want to focus on that. In fact, that's like kind of everything, right? When something like happens like that. It's like you, because literally you just had it last week and now it's gone. It's like you're so used to having something and then it's gone. It's like, bro, how can you avoid thinking about all this stuff you lost? You know? So I guess that would be one of the big challenges as well. But if you can maintain, it's kind of the same thing. 
don't focus on those obstacles or the bad part or whatever. Focus on the opportunity. How you say? That's good. Dang, Jocko. Definitely. Uh, when we had Jim Sersley on the podcast, who was uh, the Vietnam guy that was wounded really bad, lost both of his legs and lost one arm. And his, I will never forget, it wasn't on the podcast, unfortunately, we were just talking afterwards, you know, about how he had lived this incredible life. He'd done a bunch of real estate stuff, owned a roofing company. Like, how do you, you, you know, you come home from Vietnam and you go to nine months of rehab, learn how to use a wheelchair, learn how to like survive without legs and, and only having one arm. And he gets done with that and he just like carried on with his life. Like literally carried on with his life as if, and when I talked to him about it, and we we talked, we talked about Lewis Puller Jr. and they were in rehab at the same time, yeah. and Lewis Puller Jr. ended up killing himself, and Jim Sorsley ended up living, and he unfortunately died recently, but he lived a really incredible life, mm-hmm. you know, had kids and businesses, and when I asked him what the difference was. And he was like, he said that Lewis Puller Jr. only accepted what happened to him 99%. Mm-hmm. Like there was 1% of him that was bitter. Why me? This shouldn't have been me. And he goes, and, and Jim Sorsley said, I accepted 100% that this was, this was what happened and I need to go forward. And mm-hmm. he just didn't look back. So to what you're talking about, to dwell even 1%, 1% of your thought going, thinking, oh, why did this happen to me? That little thing, that little 1%, that'll, that'll eat away at your soul. It's already yeah. happened. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Because, you know, the expression, um, comparison is the thief of happiness or joy or something. I don't know that saying, so, but it makes sense. Yeah. So, it, and it makes sense. So sometimes they'll say it in reference to like social media mm-hmm. or, you know, keeping up with the Joneses or something like this, where you can work hard and have a lot of success and happiness in your life. But if you see someone or, you know, someone doing better than you, it'll rob you of that joy mm-hmm. that you get. Right. So it's kind of like that scenario. But in that case, or in this analogy or whatever, it's the it's like you're comparing it to your past self. So if you yeah. compare what you had last week versus what you have today, it's going to jam you up. But if you just don't make that comparison, it won't jam you up kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You go, okay, that's where I was. I'm not there anymore. Move forward. Right. Because it's not like you're going to be able to forget it, yeah. right? Yeah. But you got to just accept it and be like, okay, that's what happened. Yeah. Cool, I'm moving on. I can't change it. Moving on. Yeah, accept it so you're not making that maybe psychological comparison. Because yeah. that's what it is, right? You you think about the thing that you lost. It's like you're comparing yourself to when you had it. That's mm-hmm. how you kind of, you know, kind of evaluate or, or how loss like impacts you or whatever. Seems like it anyway. Got to move forward. Move forward. That's all right, let's get to some Q and A. First question. Hey, Mr. Willink, I hope the day finds you well, sir. I was hoping to take a minute and pick your brain about something. Over the past year, I have risen to a higher level management position in my organization. As a whole, we tend to have a bit of turnover with seasonal employees. Because of the rotating staff that we have, our entry-level leadership positions often change. Inevitably, we bump someone up, and after a while, they become toxic leaders. While this is not always the case, it happens more than I would like. Do you have any advice on how to deal with toxic leadership from above? Is this something that they can grow out of, learn, learn from, or are better off just cutting our losses with them? 
Are we better off just cutting our losses with them? Any advice you have or anywhere you can point me to start would be incredibly helpful. Thank you for your service, your sacrifice, and your character. Uh, so toxic leadership, that's one of those words that gets thrown around quite a bit. But it, and, and we kind of know what it means, but at the same time, there's all different forms of toxic leaders. Um, you know, when you look up what what a, what toxic leadership is, it can have all kinds of. There's so many different types of toxic leadership. Some of the basic traits of toxic leaders are that they're like inaccessible, they are unreasonable, they have extreme like tempers or extreme viewpoints. You know, that's why I like the dichotomy of leadership. Um, and if you think about the things I'm saying, like inaccessible, well, we talk about building relationships all the time. Mm-hmm. People that are insincere, insincere, we talk about t- telling the truth. I mean, I have a whole section of that in leadership strategy and tactics. Operationally rigid, right? So people that are stuck in one mindset, I, I say open mind all the time. Um, people that are callous, well, we talk about seeing other people's perspectives. Um, inept at their job, that's another one. Like if you're not good at your job, that's a problem. So be good at your job. Just being aggressive towards people. Now we talk about being aggressive in your actions to solve problems, but that's definitely not being aggressive towards people. The Center for Army Leadership, this they, they, they say toxic leadership is quote, promote themselves. A toxic leader is someone who quote, promote themselves at the expense of their subordinates and usually do so without considering long-term ramifications to their subordinates, their unit, and the army profession. Okay, so that's a good definition. That one focuses, and I'm, that's probably the, the, the worst form of toxic leadership is someone that's just trying to take care of themselves at the expense of their team. Uh, so there's all kinds of different scenarios and behaviors that any normal person would obviously see as bad leadership. Like you talk about someone being inept, you talk about someone being having a bad temper, you talk about someone being operationally rigid, like all those things you go, any normal person goes, yeah, that's, that's bad leaders. So, and we could throw the toxic leadership um, title onto that. Now, have I worked with toxic leaders? <laughs> yes, I certainly have worked with toxic leaders and what did I do? And I'm sure this is anybody that's listening that listens to us on a regular basis is probably going to guess. I've, I've talked about this in, I think, in every one of my books. When you're working with someone that is, has any one of these forms of toxic, it doesn't really matter which form of toxic leadership. That's what's nice. Your immediate action drill, your response to toxic leadership is the same. Oh, guess what you're going to do? Build a good relationship with a toxic leader. What do we mean by how do we build a relationship? Trust, listen, influence, respect. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna listen to what they have to say. We're gonna treat them with respect. We're gonna put some trust into them. We're gonna allow them to influence us. So those are some things we're gonna do to a toxic leader. They, they start yelling, get out your notebook and start taking notes and saying, okay, let me, let me, let me work on this, boss. They want you to do things a certain way. You go, oh, okay, sounds good, boss. So let, me, let me make it happen. That's how you build a relationship. And then you start performing well. You support them and you perform well. And over time, you're gonna have a good relationship with them. Look, does this mean you're a kiss ass? Which everyone freaks out about. No, it means you're trying to win. Cause what's the alternative? 
right? What's the alternative? The alternative to me having, if Echo is a toxic leader and I hate him and he hates me, how, how good is my life? I get every crap job, he doesn't listen to anything I say, can't influence you at all. Like, it's just horrible. So I'm not saying this is gonna be fun and I'm not saying this is gonna be easy, but I'm saying it's what, the, it's what your best course of action is, is to build a relationship. Is it, is it guaranteed that, oh, once you build a relationship, they're gonna listen to you? No, they might be a freaking psychotic egomaniac. And all you can do is make them 14% better. And if you can make them 14% better, well, then you made a little bit of progress. As opposed to you have an adversarial relationship with them or an antagonistic relationship with them, and then they're actually actively hostile towards you. So build the relationship so that you can start to have influence over them. Because once someone realizes that you're doing a good job and that you're working hard and that you have smart, you say smart things or you ask good questions, they start to listen to you and they start to trust you and they start to be influenced by you. They start to respect your opinion. So that's what you do. It's pretty straightforward. And, and slowly over time, can you, the question, you know, the question that says, um, uh, is it something they can grow out of? Yeah, people grow up, people mature. If you are, put yourself in a good relationship with them, you can actually have an influence on helping them mature and become better leaders quicker. So that's what we're doing. Do you, so do you ever lose your, t- you ever, okay, so you ever lose, I'm gonna ask you this. Sounds like a weird question. Do you ever lose your temper? How long have we like, known each other? Like intern. Okay, that's and that's why it's weird because it's like no, I haven't seen you flip out on no, yeah. no, especially on no no person. Yeah, I seen you get all frustrated, but then even then, I'm like fucking. This is just theatrics. Yeah, like, we, to be funny. There's or some theatrics like around like with Dean, like some theatrics and jujitsu. Like uh, yeah. there's a little bit of theatrics there. Although sometimes I do get definitely have get I can definitely get frustrated in jujitsu. But I'm talking like once a year where I'm like, dude. I can't believe I made this mistake again or whatever. Yeah. But not even, not jujitsu. I'm saying like fucking, you know, in other scenarios no. in life or whatever. So, you know, how like, yeah, well, sometimes like, I feel like it's the same thing. Like whether maybe you're feeling frustration, but then you'll be like doing something and it's obviously just like almost like a joke, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but here's the thing I did notice about anytime you've done that it was never like for some thing that like someone else did like it it, was, it had no bearing on the relationship Wait, so you've seen me do what like you know how like um like if you'll be like fucking moron or something like that oh. you know like that kind of stuff <laughs> you know like in real life like if a person did that in real life like talking about someone whether you know um or to that person or whatever, it's like, hey, that's like, you shouldn't do that. Don't lose your temper mm-hmm. and like call someone a name or whatever. But you, when you do it, you'll be like really addressing like maybe a mistake I made or something like that. But you could tell you're totally joking about oh, it, okay, yeah, even okay. though I know there probably is some real frustration in there. Right? right. So, so that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying like literally on the inside, you're like f- stewing on the inside. Yeah, I can get frustrated with people. Cause I feel like that in like these kinds of situations. But no one knows. Yeah, I know, bro. Um. Okay, so I'm not gonna say when, but recently, I've, I lost my temper 
really, really badly Dang. on the inside. Oh, okay. Not on the outside. Yeah, 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 I didn't yeah. yell. I don't, you know, do That's that kind good. of. But the kind where, like, literally, I could feel like that cold and warm Can feeling. Can you give us an indication about this? What this was about? Um, or will it be too? Uh, yeah, it's in my it's personal a, it's life. A top secret we'll scenario. Say, yeah, it's you know, <laughs> where the kind of like it was. It was. Anyway, it doesn't matter what, but I felt my, uh, I, I like physically felt, right. and this doesn't happen, like mm-hmm. it's so rare that this would happen, but I physically felt, felt it, and I was like the kind where I couldn't really, I felt like I couldn't control myself. Mm, but you did. I totally did, yes. Mm. But I, I had that feeling, that like almost like something else is controlling me, that's how strong it is. So it reminded me afterwards, it reminded me of like, hey, when you have a tendency to get mad and explode and lose your temper, not in any kind of crazy way, just in general. Like if you, that will jam up this whole thing that you're talking about. Right. Like, hey, create a relationship with someone maybe you don't really like that yeah. much or whatever. So you, you, you got to bring your A game for this dude. Like yeah. for when you're dealing with some crazy toxic leader that's frustrating you and yelling and demeaning and like, you got to bring your A game because yeah. otherwise you get emotional. Yeah. You let your ego come into play and now you're lashing back and you, you have an antagonistic relationship. It's awful. Yeah. And then if you're, you know, you just said earlier, you were like, um, if he starts uh, yelling at you or, or whatever he's doing, like to you, giving you, uh, let's say, critical feedback or right, something right, like right. this you say get out your notes start yeah, taking notes yeah. like okay so yeah, that yeah, right so that's like a that's a black belt move it's a right? black belt move for sure <laughs> and so the way it was landing on me that's what made me re, uh reminded me of of my situation uh-huh. recently is because i'm like yeah i feel like man that sounds like such a good move but but i imagine myself in the situation when because let's face it man when someone's being critical of you and it's so obvious that they're this toxic leader in your mm-hmm. opinion or whatever it's like that is hard when you're in the moment yeah, if you think about dude, it you gotta you gotta think about what you're saying but it's almost like you gotta like transcend your mind sometimes depends on who you are obviously but you gotta like transcend your mind and imagine that you're like i don't know like some umbrella i had a friend that messed something up recently and they texted me about it and I knew the the mistake that they made, mm. but I didn't say anything to them at that time. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna wait, and in the future, I'll I'll indirectly let them know what the corrective measures are. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing. Well, there's not nothing worse. But it it doesn't it almost never lands well when you Echo Charles call me up and you say, um, you know, dude, or or you get done with a jujitsu match. And you go, man, I got caught in that triangle. And I go, yeah, dude, you got to keep your posture up better. Like, mm-hmm. that's not a great example, but like, if you're just walking off the mat after losing a match, mm-hmm. and you're like, dude, I got caught in that triangle, and I'm like, yeah, well, you didn't keep your posture up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just on your part. That's yeah, wrong? like it's it's not it's not going to land well. Look, if you know, if okay, you if if you and I are like. Maybe if I, uh, it, that's not a great example because I could be considered your actual coach, you know, where you'd yeah. be like, okay. Yeah. But if you and I were more peers and you're like, you just lost and you go, bro, I can't believe I got caught in that triangle. And I go, yeah, you know, you need to keep your posture up. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, that it's is not, not the land right on time. Me. It's not going to land great. On me. Yeah, okay. It's cor- Hey, right. it's factually correct. It's right. the truth. It comes from a well-meaning place, but it's not going to land. Now's not the time to do it. Mm. Even if I give you f- 10 minutes and I go, hey, for your next match, hey, dude, if you get caught in the triangle, let's go through that. Yeah. And, you know, you, you look down a little bit, that broke your whole posture, you know. Yeah. But there's a moment to say things. There's a moment not to say things. Yeah. And you got to think about those 
got to think about what you're doing. Because yeah. just because you're saying something that's true doesn't mean anyone's going to listen to it. Yeah. Especially if it's going to piss them off. Yeah. So, got to choose your time and place. It's kind of like um, the old uh, don't tell your wife to calm down. It's yes, don't like tell that. your wife to calm down. And like she burns the chicken or burns the dinner. And you're like, well, you should set a timer. Like that is not, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like the smoke's coming out of the oven, and you're like, oh, you, you should, you should set a, you should set a timer. Yep. You see what I'm saying? Yes, this I is do. not a good move. Bro. No, sir, not a good not. move. It's yep. not going to work out well. So that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to put your put your ego in check, listen, detach, and build a good relationship with this individual or these individuals over time. That's what it is. That's what it is. Check. All right. Next question. One time, I told my wife. Mm-hmm. She was making chili. She makes good chili, mm-hmm. but she put extra sauces uh, 10 years ago-ish. Mm-hmm. The chili was a little salty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I take, and this was like before it's served or nothing. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you're tasting, we're tasting it kind of when it's still on the stove kind. So I taste it and I, and I go, I go, dang, how much salt did you put yeah. in there? <laughs> and she got mad at me. Yeah, she did. Which, you know, she's pretty, she's not a crazy like person. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't just get mad at me like, for small stuff, but she got mad. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of was like, oh, she got kind of mad. Like, you know, you kind of wonder, like, what, what exactly? I wasn't, like, defensive or not. I was just like, oh, she, she's mad. Hey, sorry, whatever. But then you think about it, like, I wonder why she got mad at that. It's just chilly. Who cares, you know? But then I thought about it. I was like, that was that could not be taken as anything else except kind of a personal attack because it's not like I was looking for an answer. I wasn't looking for her to say, well, I put exactly this much. It was me saying, this is too, like, salty. Yeah, this thing that you worked on yeah. and made for me. Yeah, for us, for everybody. That you spent time and yes. effort into. Yeah, yep. That's yep. not a good move. Not to mention, like, she cooks a lot. So it's kind of like an attack on her whole cooking prowess. You see what I'm saying? As a chef or cook or whatever. You see what I'm saying? So, and then on top of it, it's kind of passive aggressive, too. I didn't yeah. mean to be, but it is. How much salt did you put in this? It's like, uh. so, and I realized it too. I was like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta calm down. Yep, and get out a big jug of water to eat the chili with. This is salty as hell. Actually, interestingly enough, you know what she just, you know what she did? She just made more chili. She and made more chili and there. put it in. No yeah, salt. Yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. right. No factor. Yeah, no factor. I should have just shut my mouth. I should have said, hmm, just. I would say it's. More on the salty side, <laughs> or something like that. That's my feedback. Yeah, whatever. It's a tough scenario, bro. Or just say, "Frick, I like it." Yeah, and then but she then, would but then feel she like serves it to everybody. Yeah, suck it up. Yeah, maybe an earnest question, like tastes different. <laughs> <laughs> tastes All right. Different. While right. you're still married, yes, we'll move to the next question. My kids are seven, five, and three. All girls. Trying to convey the importance of jujitsu to my wife has been less than successful. That being said, girls typically follow their mother's lead. If mom isn't on board, then neither are the girls. My three-year-old is a bit too small to start, but the seven and five-year-old need this in their life. How does a dad convince his daughters to pursue jujitsu without turning them off to the sport entirely? It's either this or dance class. I think I need to let the girls explore and naturally find their way away from the dance to jujitsu, but I think they should start now. Dance is the opposite of fun to watch. <laughs> uh, 
So I have three daughters. Mm-hmm. Bro, this dude doesn't even this dude doesn't even know. He's talking about he, he I've been to some recitals, dude. I mean, I've, been, <laughs> I've been to some recitals where we got done mm-hmm. and I literally like on the way home, like once the kids couldn't hear what I was saying, I was like, What we pay money for this class? Like you take a five year old with other five year olds and they're moving around the stage, it looks like barely coordinated chaos. Oh, dance. Dance yeah. recital. Yeah, okay. Uh so I have I had a ballerina. The girls did my girls did all kinds of dancing and singing and all kinds of this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. but one was like a legit ballerina. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking three hours a day, shin splints, broken toes, like Damn. that whole thing. Yeah. And the other one was gymnast. And then there's a little off ramp with gymnast that goes into cheerleading. So you got that whole that whole thing happened for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um Part of it is because that's what their friends do, right? And that's what they see from other girls. So they they sort of hear about it, and that's what their friends are doing. And so we're doing ballet, and we're doing dance, and we're doing this. So that they kind of just get drawn into this. It's just culturally what the norm is. Mm-hmm. So when you have the chance to show them girls doing jujitsu, that's kind of a good thing. There's millions of girls doing jujitsu right now, and they're savages. Uh, so... Like, you know, find some YouTube of girls doing jujitsu. I think it's cool when you show them the girls beating up boys. You know, there's some good, like, good fights like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm look, I'm not pro fighting in schools, but occasionally watching a girl just, like, choke out some guy that was, like, running his mouth, yeah. that's kind of cool, right? I mean, you are am right. I a bad person? Yes, but that is true. <laughs> I agree with it. Uh, those kind of videos, I know that many of those have been put in front of the eyes of my daughters, like, mm-hmm. like this. Um, uh, so you're, you're completely right in this question of you don't want to force it down their throat. If you force it down their throat, which is what I did, by the way, and pissed off my daughters really bad mm-hmm. to the point where they stopped training for a while, and my wife was on board with them because, you know, she's a nice mom and she's trying to do the right thing by her girls and they didn't like it and like like the whole thing, right? Mm. So if the more you force it on them, the more they're going to push back. Um, so I think, you know, seeing what you can do, not like number one, can they just train with each other? Can you teach them moves? Can you say like, hey, look, a couple times a week, we're just going to do it. Uh, we're gonna do jujitsu a couple times a week. Just you know, get some mats for the house. And I, you know, he did say it's either this or dance class. These things are not hopefully mutually exclusive. Mm. Where it's like, oh, you either can go to dance or you can go to jujitsu. Now, look, it might be a financial situation, mm. and sometimes you can't afford to put two kids in both dance and jujitsu. You know, that could be like four or five hundred bucks a month for those two, mm. and you just don't have that kind of cash. So. If that's the scenario, what can you do? Okay, you guys want to change, tr- keep training dance, it's great. And by the way, ballet and dance, you're gonna get like really good physical uh, training. Ballet is crazy physical training. Mm-hmm. I had a guy come into our gym here, and he's a white belt, like wearing a white belt. Mm-hmm. And I roll with him, and I mean, this was like maybe two, three years ago, mm-hmm. and the guy was freaking insanely good. And I don't even know why I was rolling with him. I don't even know, like I barely would roll with, with like I mean, it's a random white belt. He was, I think I saw him two or three times. And I was like, he, he asked me if I could roll. And I was like, yeah, cool. 
I roll with him, he's really, really good. I mean, it's not like threatening, but you can just tell. Yeah. You know, he felt like a purple belt. And I'm like, how long are you training with? I said, how long have you been training for? And he goes, I've only been training for nine months, but I really love it. And I go, what did you do before? Are you like a professional, were you an athlete or something? And he goes, and he kind of like got this, not not embarrassed look, but you could tell he was a little bit like, he goes, he goes, uh, I, I've been a, he goes, I was a ballet dancer for the last 22 years. Damn. And um, he goes, and I just retired. And now hmm. I love jujitsu. And I was like, cool. He was freaking totally athletic. I mean, my daughter can stand there, stand here, like look at you and lift her leg up to her cheek, yeah. right? Straight. Yeah. I can't even come close to doing that in a million years. So there's really beneficial things about about uh, getting your kids to train and this other stuff. So do you have the ability to get a couple mats in the house and do some training with them? Hopefully you're training, by the way, because if you're not training, you can't expect them to train at all. But if you're training, even if you start training and you start teaching them at home what you learned, it's gonna be beneficial to them. So let's, Maybe consider that route. The other thing is you have to explain the why. Just like anybody on any team, you need to explain to the team why we're doing this thing. So, look, why why do I want you to do jujitsu? Well, do it. I want you to be in good shape. I want you to be strong. I, this is going to help your you know your your physical health. It's going to help your cardio health. It's going to help your strength and your flexibility. It's going to help your confidence. So that's why I want you to do it and self-defense because me, I, dad, I'm not always going to be there and there are bad people in the world and I want you to be able to take care of yourself and this is a magic power that I can give you that you can learn that will allow you to, to be protected in horrible situations. So that's why I want you to do it. It's because I care about you. It's because I want you to be able to take care of yourself because I don't want anyone to be able to hurt you. And so as you explain this to them, and again, they're young, but when you're young, you know, you don't think you're five years old, you're six years old, you don't think there's bad people in the world. You think bad people are in movies. Mm -hmm. You think bad people are in the fairy tales. Mm -hmm. You don't think they're really out there. They're out there. And look, I'm not trying to tell you to make your kids paranoid, but a little bit, a little bit paranoid. So they realize that there's evil out there and that they should learn how to fight and defend themselves. So that's what I would do. I would. Focus on training, uh, explaining the why. I would see what I could get them to do, training each other, and you going to train, and you coming back and teaching them what you learned, and you're doing it, and you say, listen, I just want you to do this a couple times a week. That's it, you know? It's it's 45 minutes each time. We're just gonna go through some moves, we're just gonna work on some stuff, couple times a week, that's all I'm asking. Mm -hmm. And it's just because I want you to be able to take care of yourself, and then, over time, they'll realize the value. And the other part of this is trying to make it fun. Anything you can do to make it fun um, will make it better. And stay with it over time. Don't force it. Um, my kids are kind of all into jujitsu now, which is cool. So, yeah. yeah that's real. The, the whole... And my kids are all, all kind of bummed out that I didn't force it on them more. Yeah, I think sometimes, and this goes for a lot of things, where when you grow up in, like, in hindsight, yeah. you're like, oh, man, that could have been so valuable if I was, like, probably. You know how many yeah. things there are like that? Oh, that yeah. like, so I, I remember I took judo. 
for not just like a few months too. And I still remember the stuff I learned in that judo and use it, literally use it today. So, and well, yeah, how old were you when you did judo? Uh, I know it was before fifth grade. Bro, if you did judo like for Since five or six years, if you did yeah. it from fifth grade till you graduated high school, that have been you'd be a grade. different person. Yeah. Your, yeah, your exactly. world would be different. Exactly. And oh, man, this goes for like so many things that maybe you just did or got introduced to. Yeah, I don't like it, whatever. Oh, yeah, that, I think that's how. And then especially now jujitsu where it's like now they're around jujitsu all the time. I mean, they're at least exposed to it all the time. Who, my kids? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's true. And they're definitely like, oh, you should have made us do it. I'm like, dude. Even the the singing and dancing thing, like ballet, it's weird because you kind of get there's two parts of it. Probably more than two. But you look at an activity and you consider you we tend to only consider like what it what's the outcome of that activity or what's the result of that so if you're like a fighter or something it's kind of like oh man he can kick someone's ass and that's kind of cool or whatever and then we sometimes anyway if especially if you're not in that sport you don't really understand what it really takes to be a fighter like especially like today like a ufc fighter People don't understand how tough that guy is. Like, not to mention cardio and, and physical like capability and stuff, but just how tough you have to be to be a fighter. Like, the even if you if you kick someone, if you kick someone or punch someone, the normal person would break their hand or hurt their leg or mm-hmm. hurt their shin, and it hurts a lot too. A professional fighter can just—that's just a run of the mill. Like, yeah. th- to get hurt from that is not, cannot be part of their no. whole world. It's, it's it's that night and day. Anyway, the point is like we don't. A lot of times we tend not to understand what it takes, to, the capability it takes to do that activity. Ballet is one of those. Ballet is one hundred percent. So you look and obviously you know this goes with that. My ballet daughter had more injuries than my wrestling gymnastics daughter. Crazy. Yep. Freaking crazy. And. We kind of do know this. Where look at a, a male it's ballet a little bit psycho, dancer. To be honest with you, yeah, it's a little bit psycho. But the result is just so we pay attention to the result. Yeah. So the result is like for, if you're not into dancing and performing arts and yeah, stuff, yeah. like ballet, the result is really unimpressive, really. Unless you like start looking at the yeah. little details and you're like, oh, that's cool that he could do that or whatever. But the whole performance, it's like mm, you know, mm-hmm. I could miss that or yeah. whatever. Uh, if you don't, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. If you don't know then it just looks weird. Right. But look at the, <laughs> like a typical ballet dancer's physique. You're like, bro, that's it's pretty impressive. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, you know, that's so I wouldn't poo poo too much on the dance. I'm, I'm stuff. not. Did I? Yeah, no, did not, it sound you, like not I did? you. No, he was like at the, at yeah, the yeah, end yeah, of his yeah, question, yeah, yeah. He, poo- he did poo poo. Yeah, and it, it is rough like, when you go, you, you know, when you want to talk about unimpressive, when you see five year olds <laughs> in a dance recital. You're like, dude, we're paying for this. Yeah. I'm sorry, but like, yeah. and yet, if you see five year olds that are doing jujitsu mm-hmm. in 2022, like, you're like, oh hell yeah, yeah I'll yeah. pay, I'll pay more money to to get my kids to be doing this. Yeah, because kids are so good now, and it's so impressive. Interestingly, hey, I just gotta throw this out there too. If listen to this question, um, I'm assuming that you already have the way the warrior kid books. Because if you don't already have the way the warrior kid books for your daughters, get them immediately. Because they're ju- a little jujitsu heavy, and they show the benefits of the jujitsu ball. Yep, big time in a fun way. Yeah, well, jujitsu is one of those one where it's like even jujitsu in and of itself is pretty messy. So it's not like and messy in a good way where it's not. You know how you if you watch karate or kung mm-hmm. fu on TV, it's mm-hmm. like a dance choreograph. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't. It's not messy. It's very clean and kind of I don't know beautiful. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. 
Jiu-jitsu is athletic, aesthetically pleasing. Yes, sir. Jiu-jitsu is not. Yeah. In many cases. In most cases, yeah. really. In like, in, no, I mean, there's some cool stuff. I mean, you know. But the, even the cool stuff is within the whole messiness of jiu-jitsu. Because it's so, you know, like, if you watch a jiu-jitsu match and you don't know jiu-jitsu, you will see two guys kind of. Yeah, you don't know what's happening. Yeah, flailing a little bit. It's not clean. You know, it's like you try a move. It doesn't work. You don't even you understand it. Yeah, a lot of times. Yeah. Um, so, but when you do understand all that part of it and you see five-year-olds it's, and it's messy it's and you see some, but even if they're not that good, you see a five-year-old, like, yeah, do omoplata or, or, or pass the guard into yeah. like a side, then go to mount. Even if it's messy, you're kind of like, hell yeah, yeah that hell yeah. So it's like impressive. I think overall a little bit more than like a dance scenario because the dance by its own nature has to be clean and aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. Otherwise you kind of suck. So in the beginning, when you're five years old, you just sort of suck. Yeah. And you're not impressed with dance to begin with, so it's hard. I dig it, man. I dig it, but there's a lot more to it. Um, well, sorry, my my original point is, I almost think it's it's going to be a yes or a no, depending on if he um, does jujitsu. It's going to be too hard of a sell. This is my opinion. If he's not doing jujitsu, it's too hard of a sell. Well, no, immediately start doing jujitsu. Yes, that's a hundred percent. I I if I should have started out with that as well. Like I I assumed he was. Yes, me too. That was my assumption. Yeah. My assumption is you're doing it, but it's weird that you're doing it and like you're having this much of an issue. Because I actually, nah, it's not that weird, but it, if you're not doing it, start doing it immediately. Yeah, and I, I don't think this is weird at all. If they're all girls, like my my daughter, yeah, I may, I make her do it. Mm-hmm. I don't force her to, but yeah. I influence. Come with me, yeah. you know, just do this part. And you know, she didn't, she did not love it, does not love it. But here's the. First off, I do it. So her mind is at the very least open to it. If I didn't do it, I said, hey, you go do this yeah. thing. That's hard, by the way. Kind of against your nature as a girl or your personality, your temperament or whatever. Um, you know, so other sweaty kids trying to pin you and do all this stuff, trying to trying to choke you and stuff or whatever. I'm not going to do it. But you got to do it. Like, but that's too hard of a sell, I think, for especially or it'll tend to be. Yep. For the girls, especially. And Did I think just, even for the boys. Maybe you could get your wife doing it, too. You know, yeah. Again, yeah, this would be all. This would be all. All real easy if you did it in your house with a couple mats. That's what I was gonna say, yeah. and and it'd be night and day easier too. Night and day, because how you you said like forty five minutes. I would even say maybe fifteen minutes. Yeah, per, fifteen per, hours per oh, person. Fifteen minutes can, for yep. sure. Fifteen oh, yeah. minutes. Get in there. Show one move. Yeah, drill it a couple times. Yep. And then the next, if you can go consistent with that, at some point you gotta do the roll though. At some point, you gotta you gotta say, okay, this is the mount. This is how you get out of the mount. Now we're gonna go against you two are gonna go against each other because then yeah. it, then they realize that it works yeah. and they want to beat the other person. So there's a little competitive thing. That I agree with that. Yeah. All right. Next question. Next I really question. need advice and guidance. I spent the last 14 years owning and operating an ice hockey shop. I went to as a kid and then worked for nine years prior to me owning it. Due to the changes in the industry and how the major manufacturers handle small accounts, I realized two months ago that the business the business is no longer viable, and I decided to shut it down. I decided to take a family member's offer to move out of state October 1st and run one of his companies for him. Having closed my business, I feel like a failure, and my confidence is at an all-time low. The company I'll be running has success has been successful for years, providing products to six states, but it's an industry I have no experience in. I know I'm in, f- in for a lot of learning for a while, but I'm having a hard time figuring out how to approach the existing employees there. I'm not afraid to admit what I don't know, which is everything in this case. I'm a quick learner, very good at getting along and forming relationships with people from all walks of life. 
I'm just struggling to know what to say to these people day one and what to do beyond that, given my lack of experience. Love you guys. All right. Um, Well, first of all, your business that you had, this isn't a failure. The market conditions changed and you pivoted and now you've pivoted away from that business because it wasn't working. That's, that's not like, I don't consider that a failure. I consider that a maneuver. Uh, there's people that ride their businesses into the ground and pour all their money and lose everything because they try to make something that's no longer viable. They try and keep it alive. They just pour life support into something that's dying and that's a waste. So you ran this thing successfully for 14 years. You worked there, that's that's awesome. So don't, don't have this like paranoid I'm a failure attitude because you actually made a good strategic move, which was to shut down a business that wasn't viable anymore. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a good business, good business decision. Um, As far as going into this new business, uh, day one is simple and straightforward, right? Uh, You go in there, you say, hey, it's great to meet you. My name is Fred. Last 14 years, I've been running my own business. It was a it was a hockey shop, and it was a great business. But you know, the market changed, and it was became no longer viable. And so I shut that down, and now I'm starting my second career. Um, I'm not from this industry, but I definitely understand business. Like I said, I, I ran my business for 14 years. We did X amount of business, and. So I do understand business in general, but like I said, I'm not from this industry, so I'm gonna be learning, and I'm gonna be asking you questions, and I appreciate the fact that I'm gonna be leaning on you. And I I want you to know that my goal here in this position is to be able to support you, to be able to get you what you need to do your job. That's why I'm here, and I look forward to working with all of you. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Uh, Leadership Strategy and Tactics Field Manual, page 157, 158, I refer to it often. The, the rules to do, what to do, how to come in as a leader. Be humble, listen to what people have to say, ask good questions. Don't act like you know everything, because you don't, and everybody knows that you don't. This is no big deal. This really and truly is no big deal. You you're, seem like a humble person, you said you have no problem admitting that you don't know something. Take good notes, work really hard, show up early, go home late, take care of the team. No factor. I I think this is no factor. And by the way, like I said, you operate a business for 14 years. Most businesses don't stay open for 14 months. And the world does change. And sometimes businesses that were viable aren't viable anymore. And then what do you do? You adjust, you make a move. And that's what you're doing. It's good for you. Take notes and work hard. Good advice. <laughs> it's it's a really good, simple methodology, man. It's true. Next question, Jocko Echo. I'm a dispatcher for 911, and I'm suffering. This is due to an exodus of workers. Our fully staffed number is 150 trained telecommunicators, but we don't have we don't even have 100 right now. We're a division of emergency services, so we have minimum number of workers, so we have to be on staff. This means we have a policy of mandatory overtime. Many folks sign up for overtime in advance, but that's increasingly not enough. I've worked overtime on Tuesday and been 
at the top of the mandatory list on Thursday multiple times. I've been grinding through this time with the philosophy of good from your motivational video. I need to work overtime again. Good. I get some extra cash and someone with kids gets to spend time with them. But this is grinding me down little by little over the months. I've received a diagnosis of PTSD due to the stress of what I repeatedly hear on the phone and radio. I'm losing sleep, which take, which makes everything harder. I'm able to spend less and less time with my wife and pets, and I'm missing out on making memories with them. At what point is good not enough? And at what point do I find another job, one that is better for my mental health, but worse for my bank account and sense of fulfillment? Thanks. At what point do I find another job, one that's better for your mental health? Well, it sounds like, honestly, it sounds like the time is now for you in this particular scenario, right? But, and this is a big but, what does that actually look like? Um, This is a classic case of the grass is always greener on the other side. Right, you're in this job. It seems like it's hard. There's overtime. It's it can be stressful. Um, you know what's really stressful is when you don't have a job, or you can't find a job. You know what's really stressful when you don't have enough money to pay the bills. That is, I can guarantee you, that's more stressful than having to work overtime. So let's not do anything rash, but let's start thinking and let's start coming up with a plan. Part of the plan is get your resume together, right? Research, it's not, I mean, it sounds like you don't have kids, so that's a really good spot for you to maybe make a career change. What do you actually wanna do? What skills do you have? What other careers are interesting to you? Maybe you go and talk to some other companies, talk to some friends, talk to some people. See what kind of things are, what kind of companies and businesses are actually hiring right now. So. This is on one front what we're doing. We're making a plan and we're doing research. We're doing reconnaissance to find out what's out there. You know, another thing that's nice about the job that you have, the job that you have when you go home, when you're not in the office, when you're not in the dispatch, you're not working. There's a lot of jobs. You're working 24 hours a day. You might not be at the office 24 hours a day, but when you go home, when you go home right now, you're home. You can't answer calls. So there's some benefits to that. Um, there's other benefits as well, right? So let's start researching and figuring out what else you might be interested in, what else, you know, what 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 other skills do you have? What would you want to do? And start talking to other companies and businesses. And meanwhile, while you're doing that, Talk to your own leadership at the current company that you're at. See if you can get some downtime. And if you've been diagnosed with PTSD due to the stress of what you're repeatedly hearing, well, maybe they should give you a little bit of a break. Maybe there's a different role that you could do on some days. You know, maybe some days, you know, four out of five days you're working dispatch. Maybe the fifth day you do some other administrative role. Maybe ask for some counseling because a counselor might be able to help you decouple your brain from the chaos that's going on when you're at work. That's a skill that you can develop of like, oh, I'm going home. And I've always given this advice. When you go home and you're a police officer or a firefighter and you're in the military, 
when you go home, take your uniform off. Because it is like a physical representation of getting out of that mode of operating and getting into the family mode, the hanging out with your pets mode, the hanging out with your wife mode, the not thinking about that, what you've been dealing with all day long. So there might be something that a counselor can tell you along those lines that'll help you put this stuff in a little compartment and that way it's not on your mind all the time. So talk to your leadership and explain to them the situation that you're in. I can just about guarantee that they don't wanna lose you. And if you say, listen, I can't work overtime anymore. I, I can't do it. And I know you got mandatory overtime, but my mental health can't take it. I can give you 40 hours, but I can't give you 48. I can't give you 56, I can't do it. So let's go and have a good discussion with the leadership. Cause I, you know, if you came to me, I'd be like, listen, you're right. We do need you to work overtime, but if you can't do it, and it's the only way I can keep you here, you know what? You're gonna give me 40 hours as a dispatcher, I'm gonna use you the other eight hours as a scheduler or as a computer maintenance guy, or you're gonna work down sorting mail for whatever. So let's figure out some options. Let's make sure we have a good relationship with our leadership so we can, we can talk to them in a way that we can explain to them what's going on. Now, depending on how your leadership responds, that maybe they respond to it and they get you counseling and they cut your hours a little bit and they give you some other opportunities. And then once that happens, great, maybe we can stay in this job, which by the way is paying the bills and it's you're making money, which is great. If not, if the leadership is like, actually this is just the way it is and you just need to suck it up and it's, we're not changing, and your leadership kinda doesn't want to help you, then it's time to go back to that other thing that we're working simultaneously, which is where are we gonna apply to? Where are we gonna get another job? And then once we get another job lined up and we get a signed offer, cool, then you can put in your two weeks and you can move on. Um, you know, the point of saying good isn't to beat yourself into a mental disaster. That's not, that's not the point of it. Just like, oh, I sprained my ankle, good. Now I'm gonna keep running on it so I become disabled on my ankle. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. Actually, it's like, oh, I sprained my ankle, good. That means I can't run right now so I can work on my upper body strength. See, you see the bit, there's a big difference between those two things. My job is extremely stressful and they need me to work overtime. Okay, good, that means I can make some extra money. Not good, now I can blow off everything else in my life and I can turn myself into a serious mental health issue. That's not what we're doing here. So good, my job is really stressful, I can't, I'm working overtime and I don't like it anymore. Okay, good, this means I should go look for another job. This means I should look change careers. Because if you're doing something, if, if, you're, if you're doing this job and it's giving you this much mental anguish, that's an indicator that maybe you shouldn't do this job, right? I mean, if you're scared of heights, don't be an iron worker on skyscrapers. If, you, if you're scared of the water, don't go and become a deep sea fisherman. Right now, look. If you want to try and overcome those fears, okay, there's ways to do that. But if you overcome those fears and then you spend every day in anguish because you're so scared of heights that you fear going to work, that's not going to be healthy for you. If you can't get over it, 
So, uh, yep, I think that's, that's your courses of action. Let's figure out what else is out there. Let's at the same time try and improve the scenario that we're in. And then if we can improve the scenario we're in, we'll start working out, great. If not, okay, time to move on. That's where I'm at. Question. Hi there, Chocolate Echo. I'm a mom of three little ones, three years, two years, and three months. I'm trying to elevate my parenting game. There are a lot of ideas out about par- parenting out there. I've been reading Extreme Ownership and have been applying this concept to being a parent. Any advice for a warrior mom who is trying to take ownership of her kids' behavior? Also, I love listening to Jocko Underground on my long runs. I really enjoyed the way the Warrior Kid books. Maybe you would consider a way of the Warrior Mom series in the future. <laughs> awesome. Um, all right. So what is it? We're just looking for advice on trying to take ownership of kids. Yep. Okay. I'm going to say this. Just as a general concept, as much as you can, and don't take this to an extreme, obviously, as much as you can, treat your kids kind of like adults. Talk to them like adults. Give them responsibility like adults. Now listen, when they're three years old, two years old, three months old, obviously this is, this, this is not going to be very, very easy, but it's a good goal to have. And even when they're three, and even when they're two, three months, look, this, this isn't happening. But a three-year-old, what, what can you do to give them a little bit more responsibility? And here's the thing, it's, and look, don't drive yourself crazy with it. Don't be an extremist with what I'm saying. But a three-year-old can do some pretty significant tasks, or you can do everything for them. Mm-hmm. And the cool game to play is can you get them to take over some of these tasks? Can you get them to make their own bed? Can you get them to help make the peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Can you get them to sweep the floor? Like a three-year-old can sweep a floor. And it's not gonna be the best job and it's gonna take longer and you're probably gonna have to redo it, but that's what you're doing. Over time, you're, you're building a responsible human and a capable and competent human. So, if you keep that goal in mind that you want your kids to be as adult as you can get them to be and take on as much responsibility as you can as they can it's just going to make your life so much easier over time and it's going to make them incredibly more comp- competent and capable so that's that's my you know for just advice on trying to take ownership of your kids behavior Actually, don't take ownership of their behavior. Give them ownership. Give them ownership. Let them clean their room. Explain to them why it's important. So those are some things to do. Now listen, at the same time, listen, and please have fun with your kids. They're going to grow up quick. Um, Get them a guitar, piano. Little little piano keyboard. What do you think you can get a key a piano keyboard for forty eight dollars at whatever Walmart or something? Uh, guitar. These days, you can you can get a guitar pretty cheap at a pawn shop, mm-hmm. and it's you have a tuner for your guitar on your phone that are free. Because mm-hmm. the thing, uh, what what uh, jammed me up when I was a kid, I didn't even know, I didn't even understand guitar tuning. Mm-hmm. I just had a guitar, yeah. but I didn't know how to tune it. Yeah. it took me like a year. That makes sense. So you're strumming on something that's not working. It's horrible. <laughs> but you get the guitar, get the piano. Um, just because those skills are so good to have. And then 
I mean, obviously all the physical stuff, get the pull-up bar, just all everything you can do and make it all fun. All that stuff that I just said, don't force it down their throat. Make it fun. And last thing I'll say, uh, two things I'll say. Let them be them. Right? They're not going to be what you want them to be. They might be. There's a chance that they have that genetic predisposition that you want them to be a classical musician. There's a 1% or a 3% chance that they actually just love that. There's a 30% chance that they'll do it just because you know you kind of put it in front of them, but they're actually not that talented at it and it's kind of frustrating for them. There's a 70% chance that they hate classical music because you tried to force it down their throat. <laughs> so let them be them. Now listen, you, can have, you, you definitely have influence, and that's where I go to part two, is set a good example. Because your kids are watching and imitating everything that you do. So if you're playing piano, if you're learning piano, if you're playing guitar, if you're learning guitar, they're gonna imitate you. If you're doing jujitsu, they're gonna imitate you. If you're being healthy, they're gonna imitate you. If you're reading, they're gonna read. So set a good example, and that's the best way to influence them to sort of become the type of person that you know is gonna make them successful and happy in life. So that's what I've got, and I'll start working on that Way of the Warrior Mom series. That's, um, I always thought of extreme ownership as far as your kids go, mm-hmm. as the idea that everything that they do is because of something you did. Like it, it, yeah. You know how like every once in a while you'll see a parent like yelling at the kid and then yeah. blaming them for, for sure. their bad behavior. And this is like five, six-year-old kid. Like, you, you know, if you look at it as, hey, this kid's not behaving the way I want him to and it's because of me, literally because I taught him to behave this way even though I don't want him to behave that yep. way. I taught him because of something I said, did, didn't do, didn't say something, like something I because of me. That's why they're behaving like that, good or bad, by the way. I always felt like that was kind of it. I mean, it's a hard one because it, it feels like that kid is its, his own person. Mm-hmm. But in a matter of speaking, this extreme ownership approach, they're kind of not. They're like, I mean, they are, but at the same time, it's like it, it's up to you to make this. Like how in, in you know in a work scenario, you say like, oh, freaking my impl- my subordinates yeah. like incompetent. Well, have you trained them to do their thing? It's kind of yep. it's that to like the 10th yep. degree. Wow. Well, yep. Why is your kid yelling in the store? Because you let them yell. Yes. You know, exactly. Because there wasn't any consequences. And, and, you know, this is another thing. Like you can't just throw rules on someone out of nowhere. It doesn't work. So this, this would happen like occasionally, like in the SEAL teams. Like someone would, there'd be there'd be some behavior that was going on, and then all of a sudden, someone in the chain of command would, a new person would take over, and now this behavior is not allowed anymore. Mm-hmm. And the first person that got caught doing this behavior would get in so much trouble. Yeah, it'd be like, hey, dude. <laughs> This was happening like when hazing went away. Well, yeah. when it when hazing, when they started to crack down on hazing, yeah. it was like you you can't just like all of a sudden come in and be like, "You were hazing, we're gonna bust you down." Mm-hmm. It's like, bro, what are you talking about? Like, I got hazed, you know, a month ago, and you know, we we were hazing this guy three days ago, and now all of a sudden I'm getting in trouble. Yeah, it's like you gotta you gotta set the standards, yeah. and then you gotta give actually give people time 
to understand what the standards are. Mm-hmm. You can't just be like, hey, here's the new rules. Yeah. And then boom, oh, Echo, you you know, you uh you haze that guy, yeah. you shave that guy's head, yeah. uh you you're you're getting busted down. You'd be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Cause you developed a precedent for years that that's how what we're doing. Yep. I was like, no, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. But what do you really mean by that? Hey man, listen, you just, you, we told you not to do this. We're not gonna bust you down, but I want you to write a note. I want you to write and present to the command yep. about why hazing is no longer allowed. Yep. And then over time you can escalate the punishment. But when your kid starts screaming in the store, when they scream at home and they scream in the car and now they scream in the store and you're going to get mad at them, you're, it's what you're saying, Echo Charles. And, and also, watch you out scream. for your screaming. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And you're screaming at the, when you get caught off in traffic, you're oh, screaming. Yeah, yeah. So. That, bro, that's a good one with the, the changing of the rules. Because yeah. that goes like, kind of like how you, your example was like, we were doing this and now the rule is you, you're you not allowed to do this. And a lot of times with kids, it's the opposite where it's like, you didn't have to do this, but now you have to do this, right? The chores, mm. you know, homework every night, whatever the new routine is, they have to do additional stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to be like, and this happened literally, like this is how it, so I have my nephew who who we have now. Um, and his new chore was to, this was whenever, last year, you, know, you take out the trash yeah. right every whatever day, and the garbage truck comes, takes it out. You got the empty bins to mm-hmm. bring the empty bins back in. That's his new chore, right? Every week to do it, I say, "Hey, that's the protocol. That's your new job now." Mm-hmm. You know, so it started with, "Hey, can you grab those bins?" Right, and then I say, "You know what? That's your job from now on. Every every week." The next week, he doesn't do it. They're still out there for the whole day. He doesn't do it. He's like on his phone or doing his homework, talking on the phone, whatever he's doing. I can't flip out on him. Mm-hmm. Bro, this guy's lived 15 years without yeah, doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I'm a, and, and living with me for however many years and me doing it, you know? So I can't flip out on the kid. You know better. I just told you, yeah. you know, about this whole new. Give him a friendly reminder. Mm-hmm. Tell him, oh, yeah, remember the, the bins are out, you know, just do it automatically. Just friendly reminder. Don't flip out on him. And then, yeah, over time, that friendly reminder. It, the thing is. If you just do it normally, I'm not saying there's this like complex way to do it. I'm just talking about my experience, so I I don't know. But it didn't take much. It took a few friendly reminders and then over time, way less reminders. And then over time, maybe one reminder every six months and then no reminders. It's what, you know, what it turns out to be. You start flipping out on people, it jams a lot of things up gonna hurt you but the extreme ownership have you look they're not doing what they're supposed to do have you taught them to do what they're supposed to do effectively and teaching kids stuff yeah i learned this and this goes actually for a lot of stuff even like exercise for yourself a little bit very often is way better is better than a lot of stuff (laughs) yeah not especially kids little kids the little kids attention span isn't long enough yeah that's why what what you said on the earlier question about jujitsu and i was like yeah 45 minutes and you're like 15 you're right Mm -hmm. if you got a six-year-old five-year-old 15 minutes is like awesome it's an awesome amount of time yeah so all good stuff um thanks for joining us everybody you know the deal we are here because you are here and we appreciate your support. JockoFuel.com, OriginUSA.com, JockoStore.com, EchelonFront.com. By the way, Jocko.com, where all this stuff is. Uh, thanks for supporting us on the underground.
no matter what happens, we'll be here getting after it. (laughs) And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko, out.